This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. What is up, hockey fans? The NHL is officially back. I am Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal here to break it all down with my colleague Dave Shane. We've got a ton to get to today because the NHL Board of Governors and the NHL Players Association have both given the thumbs up to the league's return to play plan as well as the CBA extension that both parties have agreed to, which means that there is going to be hockey back on the ice. We think within about three weeks. So we'll be breaking all that down on this episode. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys that we are presented by Favor, drinkafavor.com. Also, you can catch all our work online at reviewajournal.com. Dave's going to have some written content breaking down the return to play agreements. And of course, uh, looking at some questions the Golden Knights will have to face now that they actually have to get back out there and play competitive games for sure. Um, and also want to remind you guys to please rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts. Please do to this one. Now with all that out of the way, Dave, hockey is back. What are your thoughts? Drop the puck. Woo. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, it's... Hey, I mean, we've watched all this for like four months and all these other leagues and all these other problems that they've had. And I've cracked jokes about, you know, the elevator and and all the sorts of things that the NHL has done with this. But, you know, they I mean, we'll see if they can pull it off. That's the biggest question, I guess, at this point. But for right now, um, compared to baseball, compared to, you know, basketball when you've got guys showing up in hazmat suits and looking like you know marty mcfly and uh back to the future with you know his future suit and all that fun stuff like 
we haven't seen that from the NHL yet. Uh, the numbers supposedly were like 79% of the, the vote was in favor. So we'll see if they can pull it off. But so far, you know, they they seem to have done the best job out of anybody uh, that that's tried to come back so far. No, definitely. And so to give people an idea of what's going to happen now, training camps are going to start Monday. So the Golden Knights will be conducting theirs at City National Arena. Keep in mind that, of course, that's not going to be open to the public. Then teams are going to leave for their hub cities, which are either Edmonton or Toronto on July 26th. So a little bit more than two weeks from now, Friday, as we're recording this. Games will begin August 1st. They will keep going until the Stanley Cup is awarded by October 2nd at the latest. Then we're going to have training camps again in mid-November. And the 2020-2021 season will start December 1st. Uh, And then for those of you that don't remember how this is all going to play out, because we haven't even really talked about the format for this whole thing uh, for a month or so, it's all been kind of CBA breakdown and just the return to play health and safety protocol negotiations. Uh, The Knights are going to be taking part in a round robin for the top seed in the Western Conference, while eight teams are playing in a play-in round to get to the kind of final round of 16. So the Knights are going to play, we think, two exhibition games, and then they're going to play the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, and Dallas Stars once each. Whoever does the best out of that little competition will get the number one seed in the Western Conference playoffs. And that will be important because once they're down to 16 teams, it's going to be a best of seven series the rest of the way. And the playoffs are going to be reseeded after each round rather than being a fixed bracket. So it's going to be very important for the Gold Knights to uh, try their hardest to get that number one seed. That's going to be a big advantage. Uh, Dave, now that all of this is concrete. It is no longer abstract. We're no longer discussing uh, if the season resumes, you know, this format makes sense or doesn't make sense. Now that this is just actually now ironclad the format, are we still uh, good with how the NHL is proceeding here? I mean, I still don't like the uh, the reseeding. If you're going to really like, you know, pin me down on something and, and all of that, I, I still have an issue with like, you know, if 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 there's a scenario where the Dallas Stars get hot and win like three straight games and they get, I guess, the quote unquote advantage all the way through of reseeding, I I think that's kind of bogus. But yeah, I mean, to go back to my, you know, I guess uh, earlier point about you know the way that they've gone about doing this and and everything like that. I mean, they they should be applauded. I mean. Everything seems to be in place. Uh, we'll see if they can pull it off. Again, like I said. But, uh, you know, I guess I got to be good with it, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it brings back hockey. Um, you know, although I'll say this. I, I do want to bring up one point because we've talked about hockey in the, in the return to play. But not to bore folks too much, you know, from our previous podcast. But there is like a CBA element, you know, collective bargaining that kind of comes in all of this. And I had a conversation with my dad, shout out to him. And, you know, one of the things he didn't quite understand and he wasn't aware of the situation and kind of the predicament the players were in and all of this and the economic chaos that could have been created by, by everything, you know, from the last four months, it's all tied to revenue, everything in the CBA. And they had to redo it all, you know, within a few months. And if you go back and you look at the history of the NHL, 
and their labor unrest and losing seasons and half of a season and, and everything like that for them to hammer this out and do it for the good of the game and give folks, you know, ideally a product for something, you know, for the next two months to, to get excited about. I mean, again, they, they just, I just feel like they need to be applauded to this point. They, it does feel like, like they've done as good a job as they could have really with all this, the, the league, the players, uh, everybody involved. No, totally. And uh, it's interesting. We got, uh, you know, news continuing to break even as we're uh, recording this. So uh, as we said earlier, officially the Knights are going to Edmonton for the West qualifying round. Keep in mind that if any players do not want to uh, participate in the season, they have now 72 hours to opt out without penalty. So we'll see if any Knights players take the league and the players association up on that. So far we have no indications that that's going to happen, but that is just something that's, you know, out there and available for them to take. Um, And then for those of you that are, you know, wondering when officially you're going to see the Knights play again, uh, their first game of that round Robin is going to be August 3rd against the Dallas stars. They will play the blues on the sixth and the avalanche on the eighth. And then it'll be rip roaring right into the 16 team tournament. So it's going to be a whirlwind to get all of these things done in a pretty, pretty short amount of time, but it should be pretty exciting. So uh, Dave, what I want to do next is now that all this stuff is happening and is official, uh, I kind of want to reset everything because I think there's probably some people that haven't been paying close attention the past couple months, or maybe they've just forgotten where the Knights were at uh, the last couple of months when there's been no hockey. Uh, the Knights are expected to be fully healthy, minus Cody Glass, once play resumes. He will not be ready, according to General Manager Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, the vast majority of the team has been in town most of the shutdown and is now participating in small group workouts at T-Mobile Arena. They can work out in groups of up to 12 Uh, It's still unknown exactly who isn't around. And as I said, uh, guys can ultimately decide to opt out by Monday. Uh, The Knights will be allowed 31 players once the season restarts. So they're going to have some extra roster spots to work with for depth. Um, And I also think it's going to be interesting to see how Coach Pete DeBoer handles this. It's basically going to be like the training camp he never had to kind of whip these guys into shape. Uh, Even though they were pretty good when everything left off, they were really seem to be peaking at the right time when the season was paused. Uh, I know we've talked before, Dave, that when the season would resume or if the season would resume, we thought the Knights were going to have pretty good odds to go far in this tournament. Do we still feel that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got the goaltending Right now in place, we'll see who you know ends up kind of being the hot hand. But the fact that they've got two goaltenders in kind of a short situation, short tournament, you know, that always plays a, a big role. I think, you know, any, anytime you can, I guess, go to somebody if you need to, and it's somebody who's a number one, you, you know, you're not trying to rely on, a, on, I guess, a backup, you know, that would, that was the reason that the Knights brought in Robin Leonard. So top six is set. I mean, we'll see how he, how Pete DeBoer goes with the bottom six. I think there's maybe a question there too. Um, you know, does Tomas Nosek get pushed out? Is he a healthy scratch in, in favor of like Nick, Nick, uh, Nicholas Waugh? 
and maybe like Nick Cousins. And if that's the case, does that maybe, you know, give a glimpse into the future thinking of the Knights in the offseason in terms of resigning guys? And does that maybe mean that, you know, Noshik would be able to walk as a UFA and, and maybe the Knights wouldn't resign him? Maybe he, he's not in their plans at this point. I don't know. We'll see. We'll get a glimpse. But I think maybe the biggest thing in, in all of this that I, that I wonder, and, and I'll ask you this too, Ben, is it just it feels like maybe psychologically the Knights are ahead of some teams right now, that they have some buy-in. That doesn't seem like there, there was a lot of guys that needed convincing to come back and do this. You know, I heard from Nate Schmidt early on, and we all heard from Brady McNabb. Doesn't sound like anybody's, you know, going to opt out. Doesn't sound like they needed anybody to, you know, really be convinced of of playing other than, you know, probably had some some tough conversations with everybody, aired all the uh, the concerns. But it just feels like maybe the Knights are ahead of everybody in that regard, because even though that that vote was was pretty heavily in favor you know, there's some guys and in, in, in folks around the league and maybe some teams that don't quite have, you know, the desire to come back right now. And, and I wonder how much that'll just play into the night's favor, I guess. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Dang, I think it's going to be fascinating to, you know, kind of play armchair psychologist through a lot of this kind of the rest of the season. Because as you mentioned, it really does seem like the Knights were, you know, on it right away. They were, hey, we felt we really had a chance to go for the cup when things left off. Let's get everyone back here as soon as we can and really focus on making that our goal because we think we can do it. And that level of buy-in that you mentioned still seems to be pretty strong right there. Whereas I think the level of buy-in for a lot of teams, especially those that I think we can say pretty confidently, didn't have very good odds of making the playoffs unless they were expanded, uh, which I guess technically... It's still not the playoffs for the teams that are going to be in this playing round and not the final 16. But still, there are some teams that definitely had their season extended at this point by a number of months because of the COVID-19 pandemic. They were, you know, less than a month away from their season potentially being over. Now it's July and they still have to kind of get back up and get into the swing of things. And so I think those teams probably don't quite have the same level of excitement as the Knights maybe do, knowing that, hey, this is our shot, you know, one of our many shots because they've had shots each of their first three seasons, but they certainly have the kind of depth of talent to make a run here. And so I, I agree with you. It's really been striking to see guys excited to go back to the rink, even as part of small groups. You know, they started with six guys, then it got up to 12 guys, but there really has been a very obvious level of want to from the group. We'll see how that carries over now to training camps. It's also going to be very fascinating to see how Pete DeBoer chooses to approach this because on one hand, do you say, hey, 
we left off really strong. We don't have to kind of work on too much. Do you say, no, 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 this is my time to, you know, really work on the systems that I want to work on. And we're going to focus on our cycling and how we defend on the penalty kill and all that stuff. I mean, do you even, how fast can you even skate these guys right away? That's a question that, you know, I'm really looking forward to asking some of these guys. Obviously, like we've talked about, most of these guys have been doing these skates and are working out, but still, how much are these skates helping them? Or do they feel that they're in game shape right away? Do they feel that they still need to build up to game shape? Mark Stone mentioned early on at the beginning of phase two that they are purposely taking it easy because they didn't want anyone to, you know, throw out their hip or bust a hamstring or something. And I think those kind of, you know, tissue injuries, I'm no doctor, but I think those are kind of the the main injuries that you're looking out for right now when you're all of a sudden trying to build yourself back up to peak physical condition. So I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns as to how all this is going to play out. But I mean, I think, as you mentioned, the Knights are starting at least a little bit from a position of strength just because the roster is so strong, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody should be healthy. Like we've talked about, um, everybody should kind of have some chemistry going. I mean, that to me is the biggest thing too, is just, can they recapture the chemistry that they had going into this? You know, they were playing so well, they'd won like 11 of 13. And I think they were like 15, five and two under the poor overall. So it was just, it was like they were peaking and then guys got hurt and everything paused. And so everybody's got to kind of start from zero again. And, and obviously the Knights have to try to regain momentum and, and they're going to go up to Edmonton and play in an empty arena instead of, you know, walking into, you know, maybe an arena here where, where it was much more familiar and just maybe a little more comfortable. So, you know, maybe a couple more variables and things like that, that, that are added to the equation, but yeah, just in terms of the roster, I mean, having a top six that you can roll out, you know, with, what'll probably be Carlson March or excuse me, Carlson Pacioretty Stone. You know, the Stasny March so Smith combination seem to be clicking. You know, the last 10 games they were together, that all of a sudden gives them, you know, a little bit of scoring depth. You've got Tuck on the third line, maybe with Stevenson. You know, we'll see how they go. But but they're in a position where, yeah, the the defense all of a sudden is solidified with the Martinez trade. You you just you can step back and as a neutral, you can look at it on paper. It's harder to find holes. It's harder to, you know, ask questions of, you know, can they get production here or there? It, it feels like they're they're a solid team, and and especially going forward with the salary cap and all 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 that sort of stuff, which we don't necessarily need to get into. But it feels like they're going to be in this position and be a contender for for some time as long as they, you know, get consistent goaltending, you know, down the road. Yeah, that's going to be the big question. How, of course, goaltending shakes out it'll be interesting to see how pete devore kind of plays around with that you know heading into the actual postseason tournament as we talked about before the knights should have a couple exhibition games to maybe give each goaltender some action and then they're going to play dallas on august 3rd st louis on august 6th and colorado august 8th do you go two and one in those round robin games giving flurry maybe the net twice and leonard once do you just go to flurry all three games just because those, as I mentioned earlier, are going to be important in terms of seeding. That's going to be fascinating to kind of have it all play out. Um, so we'll see. And not going even beyond kind of the postseason for a second, we should acknowledge that, of course, as you mentioned, the salary cap is going to get 
affected in the future now coming off this because in addition to approving all the return to play stuff, approving that the Knights are going to go to Edmonton to hang out for, they hope, a while, honestly. And, you know, they'll end up seeing they'll have to be without their families until at least the conference finals if they are lucky slash good enough to make it that far. But beyond that, the CBA is now in place through the 2025-26 season, I believe. It was a four-year extension beyond what it was currently uh, scheduled to run through. And part of that will be keeping the salary cap flat at $81.5 million for basically at least the next couple of years, but it's likely that the cap could stay flat for even three to four years. Uh, we touched on this a little bit on our last podcast, Dave, but I mean, the basically the, the short version is for the Knights, it doesn't really hurt them either you know, in the near term in terms of next season or maybe even beyond. It's not going to force them to do moves that they maybe necessarily don't want to make anytime soon. But obviously, you know, like a lot of other teams, they were hoping that the salary cap would go up to make all these extensions they signed early with a lot of players like Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore look even better. So it's not necessarily helpful either. It's just not going to really hurt their chances as much as it's going to hurt probably a lot of other teams' chances. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost maybe... I was going to say addition by subtraction, but that's totally not right. But, you know, almost like process of elimination. I th- there, when George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and every time they sign somebody and they use that term cost certainty, and I always went, what cost certainty? Like, what is that? You know? And then now I go, oh, yeah, cost certainty. Because you look at their, you know, you look at like the spreadsheet we have with with all their salary and stuff, or you go on Cap Friendly or Puckpedia or any of those, and you, and you look at it, they don't have anybody other than, you know, what, Stevenson, Cousins this year. You know, there's not a big contract. Everything is pretty well locked up. I mean, I went on there, used the GM tool, and I mean, you have to have Oscar Dansk as the backup, but you can get under the cap with basically what they have if you re-sign, you know, Stevenson and Cousins for reasonable salaries, no sick goes, and glasses, you know, your 13th forward, you have a seventh defenseman, maybe like Nick Haig or somebody like that, you know, you can do it. And, and and all these other teams are going to get wrecked. You know, all these other teams. I mean, there was a rumor already today that supposedly the Canucks are looking at, at potentially trading Besser. I, you know, so if all these teams around the Golden Knights are going to have to deconstruct and fall apart because they've got to sign other people to contracts or they can't afford, you know, previous, you know, just terrible contracts they've taken on, bad signings, whatever it might be. It's going to be totally to the advantage of the Golden Knights going forward because they don't have to. It, it prevents them from, from probably going out and re-signing, you know, Leonard. It prevents them from probably like going out and getting a big name free agent without moving something around. But they can keep their team together as is. And it's pretty good together, you know, as is right now when it's all healthy. We've seen that. Right. And I don't think they were really, you know, despite what fans may have thought or hoped or believed, I don't think the Knights were really... Uh, as McPhee likes to say, going big game hunting again anytime soon. I think they had telegraphed that uh, pretty openly that they weren't going to make any big moves this offseason, even if the cap had gone up. And so now that it's going to stay flat, it makes it even easier for them to kind of sit back, probably re-sign Stevenson, maybe re-sign Nick Cousins, and kind of sit on their hands and then just watch, as you said, Dave, 
as other teams, rosters kind of crumble around them. I mean, as you mentioned, Vancouver is a team where they've got Elias Pettersson's deal is going to come up for an extension pretty soon. And that's going to really, really hurt their salary cap. They, of course, got uh, Quinn Hughes, who is going to for sure be up for the Calder Trophy for best rookie. And they're going to have to look at giving him a new deal during the life of the CBA, which is going to be really difficult. It's going to be much harder for St. Louis to potentially retain Alex Petrangelo. It's going to be hard for Arizona to retain Taylor Hall. So those are just, you know, some of the Western Conference teams that are going to be facing some pretty tight roster crunches both now and, of course, in the future, because that cap isn't going to get easier on those teams anytime soon. I mean, I think the ultimate example is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know if you're Kyle Dubas, their general manager, how you work through this at all, because now your cap is basically half tied up in about four players and John Tavares, uh, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. And there's a couple other, you know, big contracts they have on there and they're not getting any cap relief anytime soon. So the Knights, you know, as we mentioned, I'm sure they're not, you know, pumping their fists and overjoyed at this news. But like I said, they're not uh, despondent like I'm sure Kyle Dubas is right about now. So that's going to about wrap it up for this quick emergency edition of the Golden Edge podcast. We just wanted to quick reach out to you guys, the listeners, let you know that this was happening, that the NHL season is officially back on. As I said at the beginning of the show, the Golden Knights can open training camp on Monday at City National Arena. It will not be open to the public, but they will be back on the ice all together, all on the same sheet of ice, trying to gear up for the postseason and for a run at the Stanley Cup. Uh, Those key dates, as I mentioned earlier, are that they're going to arrive in Edmonton by July 26th. Their first game is going to be August 3rd against the Dallas Stars as part of that round robin with the top four teams in the Western Conference. They will then play St. Louis on August 6th and Colorado on August 8th. There's still a lot of details, of course, to be worked out with how this is all going to play out. And we will try to keep you guys up to date as best we can. The best place that you guys can find all that information is, of course, ReviewJournal.com. As I said, Dave will have a story up really soon for you guys on how a lot of this stuff is going to play out. And we've got a lot of previous stories that should fill in a lot of gaps too. But thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to favor drink for helping present this podcast for Dave Shane. I'm Ben goats. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. Nobody builds 5g like Verizon builds 5g. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.